Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Rue for President. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, here's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. 1210, the sun is shining. It's 80 degrees down here at the lakefront. It is really a Chamber of Commerce day, and it's the opening day for Summerfest 2019. The gates are, in fact, open. The vendors are here, the brats are cooking, the music is getting ready to get started. The only thing that's missing is you, so come on down and say hi. It's going to be a great day. I you know, I don't know what the weather's going to be like for the rest of the run of Summerfest, but I'll tell you, today, today is the type of day, as I said a couple minutes ago, where if you live in Wisconsin, you wait for these type of days. 105 this afternoon, we're scheduled to be joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. We'll discuss a number of things with Don. If you are coming down here, I, I will say this. But I don't know if we're going to talk about this today, but this is the first time that I have really driven from our Capital Drive studios through the city to get to Summerfest. And if you are taking a car coming down to these parking lots, this is the first time that I have dealt with the, the streetcar tracks because last year they were kind of under construction and you had roads blocked. Um, I, I think it is extremely confusing, and I was watching all sorts of people driving on, on what were the streetcar tracks. So if you're coming down here, be very, very careful about that. It, it is amazing. Whenever I have an opportunity to come down here, it just it brings back all sorts of memories. I, I'm a local kid. And, I mean, I can remember coming down to Summerfest since the early 1970s. And as I was saying yesterday, I remember when the main stage used to be on the north end of the grounds, and they used to have bleachers and then grass and then gravel. And what you would do is you would come down early in the day, and you'd put down a blanket, and you'd kind of reserve your space for the show, sort of like the fireworks. And then a couple guys would go wander around. I remember when... There were only like a handful of fixed bathrooms, and basically it was porta-potties. I remember when it was like gravel and grass instead of all the pavement that we have here. And you just look at the infrastructure right now from where I'm sitting, and we are located right next to the, the Gruber Law Office's sports zone. We're right we're on the lake. So I'm looking out at Lake Michigan. It is a gorgeous it is a gorgeous setting to, you know, do a radio program from. But we're right behind the Harley Davidson stage. So um I have a view of the BMO Harris Pavilion, which is new over the last couple years. Just I was trying to figure out what's missing. I don't think they have the hole in one island anymore. It's certainly not where it used to be. How an island disappears, I, I don't know. But uh, that hole-in-one challenge that's been here forever and ever, I was never able to hit the green. But I think that, that ends up being gone. But in any event, all sorts of new stuff at Summerfest. The infrastructure, really, really amazing. I had a chance to walk around the grounds for a little bit before I, I came and got ready to start the show. So if you're coming down here, please be sure to stop by and wave or say hi. We appreciate it. All right, as Eric Bilstadt was telling you, kind of a tragic moment right now because the, the funeral for fallen Racine police officer John Hetland is, is, is going on as we speak. That was, that was eight days ago that he was murdered in the bar in Racine as he was attempting to stop the armed robbery. 
I do want to offer one comment. Somebody knows who Officer Hetland's killer is. My guess a num- is that a number of people know who that killer is. And yet we are eight days later, and, and people have not come forward. Or at least people haven't come forward with enough information to lead to the arrest of the person who murdered this police officer. Now, I don't know if there are people that are out there that are consciously protecting this murderer. There's a huge reward. The reward right now is, is increased to up to $78,000. But let's be honest. If you are any sort of decent human being at all, and yes, I understand what I just said, you wouldn't need a reward to, if you had information that could lead to the arrest of somebody that murdered a police officer in cold blood while committing an armed robbery, you wouldn't need to be paid $78,500 to provide the information. But nevertheless, there is a substantial reward that is out there, and yet at this point in time, like I say, his killer remains at large. My belief is that there are individuals who know who this person is and for whatever reason have decided that they are going to protect this individual, not come forward, not provide the information as to his whereabouts. If that is the case, shame, shame, shame on you for doing that. The bottom line is this is a law enforcement priority as it should be. The killer of this police officer is going to be brought to justice but the longer this goes on, I think the more frustrating it gets for a lot of people. So I guess just a comment, anybody who has any information about this officer's murder really, I think, has a civic duty beyond the simple fact that you can collect a reward of $78,500 for coming forward. If you think that there's some sense of loyalty in protecting this dangerous thug that is running the streets, very, very misguided. And if anybody is helping this guy hide, I mean actively obstructing justice by help, help, hoping and helping this guy hide, I, I might take some free advice from a recovering attorney here, that will not be viewed well by the authorities. Okay, when we come back, speaking of the authorities, one of the ongoing conversations is how dangerous it is to drive on the freeways. The police department is, and the freeways and also the city streets. The Police Department announcing saturation patrols. They are concentrating on some of the areas where there's the worst levels of traffic. They're not going to tell us where they're concentrating, but I want you to give a chance to the authorities to tell the authorities where they should be concentrating. We're going to talk about the most dangerous stretches of roadways in southeastern Wisconsin in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the opening day of Summerfest 2019. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. That is Hanson. They are performing this evening, 10 o'clock, at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage. Opening night for Summerfest 2019. We will be broadcasting live from Summerfest throughout the run of the festival. Matter of fact, I have a pair of tickets to give away sometime between now and the end of the program. Also, Don't forget about the Summerfest Big Shot Contest, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. Every day at 345 at the Gruber Law Offices Sports Zone, right next to where I'm sitting right now, the first 10 people to register will have a chance at a half-court shot. The first person to make it will receive a Summerfest prize package, including two front-row wristbands for the Uline headliner that night, a $75 Summerfest get gift card, and a Gruber swag bag. So be sure to check that out. 
All right. It is no secret to anybody who drives an automobile around here that the roads have gotten incredibly dangerous. Whether it is juveniles driving stolen cars, um, fleeing police, reckless driving, multiple-time drunk drivers who have had their wrists slapped and are back out on the road. It, it, it's just, I mean, it's a jungle out there. There's no question at all about this. And we all have these different areas where we say, oh, my gosh, I know if I cross this intersection, I know I better not go when the light turns green because chances are three or four seconds after that, there's going to be a car that's going to blast through that red light. We all know those areas. Well, the Milwaukee Police Department, working with the county sheriffs and the state patrol, they're saying, okay, it's summer. We are coming out. We're going to be doing um, saturation patrols. We're going to go to the areas where we have the highest incidence of bad driving. Boy, you know, I don't know where you start with that one. And so the police department says that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be hitting these areas hard. They are declining, however, to say, well, we're not going to tell people where we're, we're going to be. All right. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to weigh in. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where would you like to see high police presence on the roads to deter or catch reckless drivers, dangerous drivers, speeders? Is there an intersection? Is there a particular stretch of road that you travel on a regular basis where you go, my God, I can't believe that this stuff is going on? Or alternatively, are there stretches of road where you just say, you know, I'm not driving this anymore because it's too darn dangerous? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your opportunity to weigh in, if you want to see police departments concentrate their resources, where do they start? 414-799-1620, Gru is lining up the calls. Let me take a couple texts. Jeff, East Howard Avenue, between 794, the Lake Parkway, and I-94. Oh, I know that area very well. Guy says, it's an absolute and total drag strip down there. Another texter calls and says, pretty much anywhere on Capitol Drive. Yeah, that's... You know, I don't know if you noticed it, but a number of TV stations, or at least one TV station and at least one reporter for the Journal Sentinel, they went out to that intersection at 60th and Capitol after um, the off-duty police officer was killed a week ago Tuesday <clears throat> uh, from the guy, fourth-time drunk driver who, again, had his wrist slapped, shouldn't have been out on bail, shouldn't have been out of jail in the first place, but was drunk, blows through the red light, hits the off-duty police officer. So th- they go out there and... You know, with a, you sit there with a speed gun, and what you'll see is it hasn't gotten appreciably any better at all at 60th and Capitol. So it's kind of like, and I think you can make that argument about all of Capitol Drive. I will tell you, somebody who works on Capitol and Humboldt, I, I've made the conscious decision that unless I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to drive west on Capitol Drive from where our studio is in Humboldt, I'm not going to do it. I have found alternate routes because I just think you take your life in your own hands. Let's start with Molly in Oconomowoc. Molly, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Um, Hi, Molly. By telling you, I would almost keep the spring and Milwaukee River Parkway, just a few blocks west okay. of 43. Um, and I've learned okay. anytime I drive in the city, I'm looking left and right no matter what color the light is for me. So, right. Um, yeah. But primarily, I mean, especially I'm on the freeway quite a bit coming in and out of economy. And I think 
uh, 43 North um, out of the market and 43 South coming into the market. Those are the worst. Um, too many people making lanes. Too many people thinking it's yeah. 80 coming in and out of there. And I think 94 eastbound, pretty much between Maryland and the zoo, um, where it drops from 70 to 55, that's uh, a speedway for sure. And I, I'd love to see yep. more police in that area. Well, you know, Molly, th- thanks for the call. I mean, let's just talk about that first area you're talking about, just north of the Marquette Interchange on, on 43. And, and you're right. What happens is that you, you lose some lanes. You've got people that are merging, you know, coming over the high-rise bridge. You've got people that are coming around from uh, heading east on, on I-94, going north on 43. They're all merging. And, and you're right. It's, it's not only speed, but it's people who just decide, hey, I want to go from one lane across four lanes to get to the left lane. Oh, I'm supposed to look before I do that? What a novel concept. 414-799-1620. George on the north side. George, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, where would you like to see a police presence for safety? Uh, actually, on any of the freeways in Milwaukee. I mean, I've yeah. gone to side streets, but it's the freeways where I run into these people that are cutting people off to get around trucks, which I think are a great disadvantage for anybody. I know we need trucks, but i got a feeling that the trucks cause a lot of the problems and these people are driving crazy. Yep, yep, yep. So you think this, you think you'd like to see the state patrol, for example, and the county sheriffs just have a much larger presence pulling over people for reckless driving on the freeways? Absolutely, because most of the accidents are on the freeways. Well, I mean, no, thanks, thanks for calling. Well, y- y- yes, I mean, yes and no. I mean, th- there's a, there is just an enormous, there's tens, you realize there's tens, if, you realize there's tens of thousands of accidents in Milwaukee? Um, over the first couple months of, of the year. Do you wonder why there's all the lawyer advertising out there? Well, you wonder why there's all these lawyers that are spending all this money trying to get clients, you know, who've been involved in automobile accidents? Well, it's because there is an outrageous number of automobile accidents. I mean, that's, that's one of the telltale signs. If there weren't all these accidents and collisions, you wouldn't be having all this lawyer advertising. That's just the reality of this. And so you're right, there, there's accidents on the freeway. Unfortunately, what happens a lot of times is the, the more, the more, even more severe accidents occur on the streets because, again, let's take the example of the off-duty officer who was hit and killed a week ago Tuesday. He, he's got the right-of-way. He's um, in, in an intersection, and he's hit sideways by a car driving, I don't know, 60, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour who blows through a red light. All right, uh, Jeff, I know the almost entire route on Capitol Drive is dangerous. Thank God for the police who catch some of them weaving through traffic at high speeds without signaling at speeds 20-plus miles over the speed limit. Deb in West Dallas says, pretty much Silver Spring east or west from Highway 43 to Highway 45. Lots of stuff going on. Let's talk to Brian in Menominee Falls. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Hey, John. Um, I'm not calling Hi, Brian. I'm calling, I'm calling about... Uh uh, the roads, um, uh, 91st and 76th Street between Mill Road and Browndale Road. It's like Wild West out there. Is it? Yeah, that, that's, you know, and that, that's an area that my guess is probably isn't getting as much police attention as some of the other areas, for example, closer in in the city of Milwaukee. That would at least be my guess. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be so. the first to say that I like to kind of hug like that, close to being 10 miles an hour over, you know, myself. And I have been passed like I am standing still. 
I've seen <laughs> yeah, cars right. like that's Indy 500. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, it, it, and thanks for calling. And, and see, and this, this is what's going on. And again, this is another one of these instances where I think the general public is certainly ahead of the people that enforce traffic laws. I'm talking about the municipal judges and things like that. And I think they're ahead of the general public as well. We're, the general public is ahead of the lawmakers and, in some respects, law enforcement. This is a big deal. People are tired of being run off the road. People are tired of sitting there saying, there but for the grace of God go I. So to the extent that we are now seeing saturation patrols in areas, I think that's a good thing. You know, the one criticism I might have is the police aren't telling us where they're going to be. I actually think that's not the best way to go about it. I would love to have them say, all right, these are the ten intersections right now that we are going to concentrate on. And if you blow through a red light, or if you're driving North 76th Street between Brown Deer and North Avenue, somebody's texted me that, you know, we're going to have a police presence, and if we find you going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit or weaving into lanes, we're going to pull you over. Maybe a little bit of notification wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You're singing that morning, making like a heartbreaker, like your college major was twisting and tearing up Friday nights. This is Jeff Wagner. That's Thomas Rhett. He is performing. He's the headliner at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater this evening, Summerfest 2019. Hey, he's got a text. Jeff, I'm heading north on 41 and Highway 74 exit. A Suburban went past me. The guy had his cell phone in his hand. He clipped off the first two barrels where the lane ends, um, and some guy calls and says, semis are the problem. I disagree. I would say 50% of drivers have their cell phones laying on their laps. Yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around. All right. $4.7 billion. $4.7 billion. What could that number be? Huh, let's think about it. I don't know. Chris Abley's net worth? No, nah, no, I don't think it's that much. $4.7 billion. The number of bad stories written about Donald Trump over the course of his presidency? No, I don't think it's quite that many, although sometimes it might seem to be. $4.7 billion. That is the estimated number of robocalls that were made to mobile devices, not landlines, mobile devices, your cell phones, in May. That's what they estimate. 4.7 billion robocalls to mobile devices. That is more than twice the number of robocalls to mobile devices. Again, we're not talking about landlines, just, just your cell phones. That's more than double the amount that were made two years ago. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, they said yesterday that they get about 10,000 robocall complaints a day. 10,000 a day. 4.7 billion in May alone. These numbers are absolutely staggering. And, And what they're also finding is that a large portion, and I can't tell you whether it's 35% or 50% or 75%. But authorities are saying that a large portion of these robocalls are scammers. You know, the the people that are trying to deceive you into paying fees and giving your personal information for fraudulent services, etc., etc. Or, I mean, they're, they're scammers. 
Now, again, I can't tell you what percentage, but government authorities are saying it is a large percentage. And they're going after some. I mean, that's the good news. Federal and state authorities yesterday said that they're targeting a number of, of robocallers who've placed like a billion of the spam calls over the last month. But that is still just the tip of the iceberg. And so there's new legislation, and we've talked about various aspects of this over the, the course of the last couple months. But one of the ideas that's out there, and this is what I want to discuss with you, is giving the customers, giving the consumers the right to block unwanted calls as a default. So like the, the way it works now is you get the unwanted call. I've, just, I've had three in the last 45 minutes. Three in the last 45 minutes on my cell phone here. And, and so, I mean, it shows up. It's got the, the number. Sometimes they're spoofing things that they're numbers that you're supposed to, it looks close to one that you might recognize, etc. But what the, what the phone companies would have to do, if you asked, is they would have to block incoming calls unless you allowed them. So how would this work as a practical matter? Well, let's say... Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, my contacts, for example, have most of the calls that I get on a regular basis from people. You know, it, it's got, I, I've got, I've got my dentist's phone number in there. I've got my doctor's phone number in there. I've got my friend's phone numbers in there. So a lot of times, I mean, it's, it's in the contacts. So what this would do, and you wouldn't have to do it, but you'd have the option of essentially the default position would be to block incoming calls unless you allowed them, right? So you would have the opportunity to do that. Then what you could do, I mean, I've always said that's why God made voicemail, because I don't know about you, but if I'm getting a f- call from a phone number that I don't recognize, I don't answer it anyways. And I figure if it's important, the person's going to go you know, into voicemail anyways, and then I'll check it, and then I'll call it back. There's no way in God's green earth that I am answering just like a blind phone call from a number that I don't recognize. So what this would do is it would say any time that you get a phone number that you haven't agreed to, it would be blocked. And then what you could presumably do at the end of the day or whatever is you could go back and you could you could look. Obviously, you could check into your voicemail if people left messages. But you could also go and you could look into your blocked calls and you could say, oh, you know, this was a call. I recognize what this number was. I knew who this was. And then you could unblock it and call them back. But if they did this, gave you that option to do it, you would no longer be saying, oh, my God, the phone just rang 15 times. And, yeah, I've got caller ID, but I know it's a scam. I'm not going to answer it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but I would I would jump on this. I mean, I again, I don't answer the phone. I'm not going to answer the call unless I recognize the number in the first place. So, would it be a convenience? Should we have a regulation that says if you opt into this, and again, if, if you want to continue to get all the calls, go with God. That that's fine. But should phone companies be required to provide you an option that essentially lets you opt out of getting phone calls unless you have specifically unblocked them on your phone? It's really the exact opposite of the way it works now. I would completely, totally, 100% embrace this, and the FTC 
They have the authority right now to order the phone companies to do it, should they. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should that be the default position? Gru is lining up the calls. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. My answer is not just yes, but heck yes. I would love this because, uh, again, it's going to stop me from having to look at the phone and say, okay, well, no, I'm not going to take that call. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Look what God gave her, how perfect he made her. She walks in the room, it's like this is Jeff Wagner, and that's Thomas Rhett. He, again, is performing as the headliner at the American Family uh, Insurance Amphitheater. That is this evening. Uh, the opening acts are Russell Dickerson and Dustin Lynch. Summerfest 2019 is underway. 414-799-1620. Here's a text from Peter who says, An upcoming version of the iPhone operating system will allow you to block any number not in your contact list. I would take advantage of that. Let's start with Mark in Green Bay. Mark, you're first. Good afternoon. Oh, hi. Um, hi, Mark. I, I do think that there's a ton of things that need to be done about these robocalls, but as a small business owner, I don't know yeah. who's calling me every time the phone rings, and every time somebody calls, is a potential customer. So Yeah, what would you... How, I, let me ask you this. The, I mean, do you get a lot... The, the, no, I mean, I, you're you're in a trick box. I, I for For... For you, as the small businessman who depends on those unsolicited calls, I can see this probably isn't going to help you that much. You know, it's going to help you on your residence, I guess, and and maybe it's going to help you on your cell phones. I mean, do you get a lot of these? Are, are these calls coming into a landline or your mobile number? Uh, most of them are on my mobile number. I hardly yeah, get any so on my landline. That. Yeah, you know, and of course, and that that's why this isn't a, it doesn't solve all the problems, you know, because part of the thing that's really getting people's attention now is, um, okay, when, when I get one of these nuisance calls, it's it, that's all it is. It's a nuisance. But a lot of these calls, they're, they're, I mean, they're indiscriminate. They're coming into hospitals. They're coming into emergency rooms. They're coming into oh. doctor's offices. And, it, you know, it's ta- and, and, and from your perspective, it's your business. You know, it's taking you away from your business. It's taking, you know, people in an emergency room away from treating somebody because they've got to answer the damn phone. And it turns out to be, well, you know, do I, you want to lower I, your I, credit I, rating? I agree 100%. My mom's 89 years old, and she gets calls all the time, and she has to, you know, check them through me to make sure that it isn't a scam. Right. And right. it's right. just problematic. I mean, I think in general we just got to do something about No, I, I don't disagree. No, whole business out. <laughs> No, I no, I, I'm I'm with you, and I mean, thanks to Mark. I mean, that's why. I mean, I started this with this number: four point seven billion robocalls to mobile devices in May. In one month, four point seven billion robocalls. And and here's the thing, you know, if we accept that a certain percentage, again, they, they can't tell us what percentage, but let let's say it's thirty five percent or forty percent are scammers. Well, you know. The reason they continue to do this is because you know that they're able at some point in time to get somebody who guppies on this, to, to get the the older person who, who just doesn't freaks out about this. Oh, my God, I just got this call from somebody saying there's a Social Security administration, and unless I call them back, my Social Security benefits have been suspended, and what's going to happen? How am I going to pay my rent? You, you can understand that, and there must be a certain percentage of people who are being, t- or being sw- or swallowing this 
because otherwise they, they wouldn't do it. So, I mean, this idea of, of, again, being able to use the block as a default, I, I don't argue that that solves all the problems. It, it doesn't. It's a, it's a widespread thing. I do think that that's an interesting start. Uh, Jack in Cedarburg. Jack, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes. I'm just uh, really disappointed that phone companies, many times the phone number comes up and it says block and find some. It says unknown caller. Why can't they list the caller's name? Yes, right. You know, um, or at least it would minimize it because sometimes a lot of these robocallers they're doing the, you know, they're they're actually taking over other people's phone numbers, so it might list the number you're recognized. But you think they should get rid of the unknown callers? That it's just there, there has to be there has to be caller ID for everything. Well, I think so. Just give me give me the name of the yeah. caller, then I can screen. Yeah, and and then, then make a decision. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Nicole. I appreciate it. you. Know, actually, you know, that's one of the other ideas that's kicking around. That, you know, um, that, that there be automatic. Um, I mean, caller ID, and it would have to be provided for for free. So that would give you the burden. Now, again, that's not going to stop you from, you know, getting the call in the first place. But I have no problem with that either. I mean, I, again, that that's empowering the consumers. I don't know that that's going to necessarily stop it because my guess is what you're going to find is, I don't know, the, the robocallers, the scammers are going to pick all sorts of different numbers to make it look like it's something that you might want to, to, to jump on. But I, I, and I, I'm not opposed to that either. I guess the point of this is, again, we're, we're in another situation where I think the general public, I think we are so far ahead of the lawmakers on this because... We all love our cell phones, but the technology has been completely and totally perverted by some of these scammers. 414-799-1620, Dave and Mequon. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. You know, I'm a business owner, I too, do. and I, I suffer with a lot of these calls. And like the previous business owner said, it doesn't really solve the problem for uh, us because you can't tell who a real customer is and who the uh, fraud right. or, or robocall is. I think what you need to do to attack this problem more from the the source is we, we need to create a a verified database of all real users so that people can block everyone that's not willing to be a part of that database and that means that your phone would accept anybody in the database who has a real billing address who's been verified through their provider and all these fly-by-night companies that are scammers that won't be verified would be the ones that you block or something along those lines to get at the root of the problem Right, or you could perhaps automatically choose to block all all of those uh, again, yeah. and that that still probably wouldn't stop it wouldn't stop all the robocalls, but it would stop a lot of the scammers from getting through. Is this a is this a big problem with you, Dave? Do you get a lot of these calls at work? <laughs> it's my it's <laughs> my daily pet peeve. It drives me nuts, and right. I I have to turn off machines and stop working to answer the phone because it could be a real customer. So it's it's just unbelievably inefficient. Right. No, I got it. Now, thanks to call, Dave. And, and, and not just, I mean, inefficient, true, as well, but also, like I say, dangerous in some circumstances where, you know, these are going into hospitals and they're going into emergency rooms and you're going into doctor's offices. It, it's, it's a huge, huge problem. 
And I guess there, there's no real easy answer to this because, you know, typically what you would say is, okay, the people that are making these fraudulent calls, they're guilty of wire fraud. Let's have the U.S. Attorney's offices find them and then identify them and then prosecute them, and let's put the people responsible in prison. That is normally my default position, and it's certainly a position that I would advocate here. The problem is that a lot of the people that are doing this, you know, you, you're, you might be getting, you know, it, it's a group of, of Russians sitting in Siberia or wherever that are orchestrating this, or it's somebody in the Cayman Islands, or it's somebody in China, or it's somebody, you know, wherever in, in the Ukraine who's doing this that's beyond the reach of, of law enforcement as a practical matter. So it's this is not, by the way, a victimless crime. Some people say, oh, it shouldn't be a priority. It's not a victimless crime. I don't buy that at all. And if anybody thinks that, talk to anybody who's you know lost their life savings or lost thousands of dollars because they got taken in by one of these scams. Bottom line is something needs to be done, and the sooner the better. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest. Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, here's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We are in our mobile broadcast facility. It is the first day of Summerfest 2019, and we are joined by my old friend Don Smiley, CEO of, of Summerfest and Milwaukee World Festivals. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. All right, weather, weather is holding up today, huh? <laughs> you know, you take this weather one day at a time. For all of the preparation that we do, we do know that there's one thing that we can't control, and that's the weather. So, you know, hopefully we'll get a, a good stretch of weather, and, and if it rains, it rains at the proper time. Right, right. And... Um, and, and we do the business that we expect to do. But, you know, you can't control it, so we take it as it comes. Don, one of the things we always talk about, and I, I always say that I, I go back, you know, I, I was coming to Summerfest since the early 1970s, and I am always struck by all the investments that have been made in the infrastructure. I mean, people talk about the bands, but you know, just, I'm, I'm looking at the, the BMO Harris Pavilion, and I know all the stuff going on in the amphitheater. What are some of the, the new things that have happened since, like, last year here on the ground? Sure. Um, we had two projects going, Jeff, and we just opened the new Uline stage on the north side of the grounds. And it's absolutely beautiful. If you've ever traveled south on 94 and passed the Uline buildings you'll see a lot of wood and, and natural stone and so we duplicated that here at Summerfest and that's what their stage looks like now and um, a great band Walk the Moon will open that stage tonight after our opening ceremonies simultaneously we completed phase one of the American Family Insurance Amphitheater renovation so that involved raising the roof 25 feet. We did that in mid-February in 10 degree below zero weather. Uh, and new video screens. We built new dressing rooms, 19 new dressing rooms for artists. We redid the loading docks and so on for trucks and stagehands to work on. And that was phase one of the renovation. After Summerfest this year, we'll immediately start on phase two of the renovation of American Family Insurance Amphitheater, which is a uh, 50 to $53 million project. And we will then focus on the patron amenities, patron-facing amenities, new seats, 
Uh, video screens are new this year. New restaurants, new restrooms, new bars, etc., etc. The seating will, the configuration will be the same because we like that seating, and so do the artists that play there because... There are 23,000 seats there, but it feels very intimate. So over the last 14 years, I'm going to have my 16th year here. So after the... uh, or since 14 years, we will, uh, when, when the American Family Insurance Amphitheater is completed next summer, we will have invested $165 million into the grounds and basically rebuilt every stage here. When people talk about raising the roof, why, why, do you, why did you have to do that? We raised the roof because it was, you know, it was built 32 years ago, and touring shows 32 years ago and up until recently... Um, you know, they, they kind of looked the same and felt the same. Well, right. now, in the last, you know, five, six, seven years, they've become very elaborate. There's a lot more sound. There's a lot more lights. There's a lot more video. And you need more room to hang all of that equipment. And our beam was too low at 32 feet okay. to fit a lot of shows in. So we've lost some really good shows that we thought we would uh, do well with here at Summerfest simply because they didn't fit in the building. Now, let, let me talk about the philosophy of, of putting money in the infrastructure. A lot of people might say, well, I mean, Summerfest, it's the bands. You know, b- people come down to, to see the music. You know, why are they making the, these huge investments in the stage and redoing this stuff? I mean, all I need is a picnic table to jump on and, and, and watch the band. Well, that's, that's you know, that's, that's a good sign, too. If people are dancing on tables, that means they're having a good time. However, I think your attendance would uh, decline over time if the restrooms were all beat up and, and the restu- uh, restaurants were all beat up and the stages were, were falling down and the artist did not enjoy their experience mm-hmm. uh, in their dressing rooms and, and so on. I mean, the expectations these days of, of artists ha- have gone way up and it's somewhat of an arms race to keep up with um, all of these sparkling new venues that are out there, and, and not just in the Milwaukee region, but in the state of Wisconsin, Illinois, um, and, and the rest of the United States and Europe. I mean, these artists tour the world, and, and so they're used to a certain type of accommodation, and you really have to, do, you really have to keep up with that in order to be able to book the bands that our customers have accustomed uh, to, to seeing and hearing at Summerfest. Dan, I'm sure one of your frustrations is uh, occasionally, and I know you'll get some feedback, maybe from people who haven't been at Summerfest in the last 5 or 10 or 15 years, who will say, oh, it's, I, I don't want to go down there. There's nothing for me. It's too crowded. It's, it's too whatever. It's too expensive. I mean, what do you say to those folks? Well, I, 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 you know, <laughs> I just don't really know how to... Um, uh, respond to that. It's certainly not too expensive. I mean, our most expensive ticket at, on a Friday night at 8 o'clock is $23. Now, if you look that up, compared to other music festivals throughout the world, 
not just the United States, you won't find any music festival that offers the type of music on 10 different stages here that than we do. We also offer 11 different ways to get in free here. So if you do a little bit of homework... That's what I've always it, said. That if, 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 with all due respect, if somebody's paying full price for a ticket, they're really not working very well, hard. Well, no, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, they just... They, they, yeah. they, they probably just moved to town, and they don't right. know exactly how it works. But if you do a little bit of homework, Jeff... Um, you're going to find a deal. And if you and your buddies are out at, at, at 8 o'clock on a Friday night and you say, hey, let's run down to Summerfest, the most it's going to cost you to get in is $23. Right. So, um, you know, and, and when people say there's nothing here for me, you know, that's what we really take pride in is that, you know, when when sponsors ask us about our demographics, it's it's a really broad answer because we say we're 8 to 80. We have something for the children, and we have something for uh, uh, seniors well, as well. I just to see that in the last ten minutes so with with people walking by, from from young people with with infants to you know people who are in their sixties and seventies and maybe even older. Yeah, I mean it it, it, it really is eight to eighty. So I think sometimes that just becomes somewhat of um, a reason not to go. I mean I know a lot of people that are a little older than I am that stop going to Packer games. They right. either don't want to make the drive, they don't want to sit outside, or or what you know uh, widescreen televisions has added to that um, scenario right. as well. So. I think people sometimes get to a certain spot in their life and they say, you know what, well, I'm done with that or I'm done with this. But as I sit here and watch this this entire um, walkway here with all of these people walking through, I mean, you're right. I mean, it touches every demographic. One of the other things that I, I always say to people is if, if you don't like crowds, and I, I get that, well, okay, maybe you don't want to be here at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, but, but come down at 1 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. You're going to see all sorts of entertainment. You're going to have access to all the food and the beer and the environment, and, and there's going to be people here. You're not going to be by yourself, but you're not going to necessarily deal with the type of crowd. You're going to deal with it on a Friday night. There's no question about that. I mean, we're open from 12 to 12. So if you come down during the day and, and stroll around and enjoy the nice daytime weather and the lake and, and all of the good food and, and cold beer, there, there's plenty to do. And we really do. Our audience changes over at about sure. 6 o'clock at night, and it, gets, it does get more crowded. We have headliners going up on these stages that we've paid a lot of money for and that people have come to expect when they, when they go to Summerfest. So, you know, it really does change over. But you'll see some of these folks walking by right now. I mean, they are just enjoying a walk right. in, the, in, the, in the sunshine, and it's, it's just beautiful to see. Don, let me take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. There was a story in the paper yesterday and, sure. and you know, last year's attendance and things like that. Sure. So let's take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with more with Summerfest CEO Don Smiley. It's 119. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Opening day, Summerfest 2019. This is Steve Aoki who's performing at the Miller Light Oasis this evening. We're joined by Summerfest CEO Don Smiling. Don, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's no secret, last year, lowest attendance at Summerfest in 20-some years or something. Mm -hmm. um, that is not necessarily atypical. The festival industry in general um, is, is starting to, to see, I think, some declines. Was what happened last year? Was it? Do you think it's an aberration? Is it the new normal? How do you see that? Well, we we get that question a lot, especially when we have five days of of bad weather. Yeah. And 
again, you know, there's really nothing you can do about that. We, we're an outside operation. We're a little bit like farmers. Um, there were three days with 100-degree um, heat index and two days of rain. So when you only operate 11 days, when five of them are not um, good days, you know, you're, you're going to... Um, you're going to pay for that, and that's why we build up reserves right. to pay for those years and which don't work out for us weather-wise. Um, you know, there's really nothing you can do about it, Jeff. We, As you can see, we prepare very hard. Uh, the staff is very dedicated, very diligent. Uh, we try to do the very best job we can in booking the best music that we can, and... You know, if the weather cooperates, then you're geniuses. If 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 <laughs> if, if if it doesn't cooperate, then then the, then the questions start happening. Well, you know well, what's wrong? Is the festival shrinking and and so on and so forth? And well, to, you know, to, after 52 years, you yeah. would think you know it's proven itself out a little right. bit. But. Well, to that point, the journal sent out a story yesterday, and the headline was "Summerfest after a bad attendance year." I'm paraphrasing. You know, makes a big bet on infrastructure. That, sure. that really isn't connected, right? Sure. Your infrastructure plan's been laid out for for years, yeah. right? I don't know how those two issues are are tied together. Um, I didn't understand the headline along with many other people that I've talked to. But again, we're not in the newspaper business. We're in we're in the music festival business, and I can assure you that we do not sit around and talk about the next twenty five years and the strategy for the next twenty five years from a capex perspective. Mm-hmm. and base it on one year's weather or two years' bad weather. I mean, business just doesn't work that way. So to conflate those those two issues mm-hmm. is, is just not reasonable to us. And mm-hmm. I think it's more of a, you know, it's a headline-grabbing thing. It's a sensational way to look at it. And, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, it, it was disappointing. But, again, we we really think these things through, and we're making... 10 and 20 and 25 year decisions mm-hmm. uh, based on long-term revenue projections and profitability and and that's really how we operate we can't i mean look at it in reverse just because we had a bad year last year what would we say stop the presses we're right. not going to build anything anymore and we're not going to get this thing ready for the next mm-hmm. generations to come i mean that would be ridiculous well and the, the truth is it over the 52 years that Summerfest has been operating, there have been a number of high-profile music festivals that have, have come and gone. They sure. haven't had the longevity. Sure. So, I mean, I, I would assume that they're just in any given year that, that I, I don't know, some years are good years for the festival business. Maybe some years aren't quite as good. I think, you know, it's just a, a function of things changing. And, and some of these things run their course, and some of them last 52 years and longer. So we'll just keep doing what we do and and practice the fundamentals and make sure that these grounds are in shape so that when I go away and and other people on my staff are done here, that we leave this place in better shape than we found it, and the next group of executives that come in to run Summerfest and Milwaukee World Festival, Inc., they won't have to worry about rebuilding the grounds, that they can run a sound a classy event. And I know that that's one of the things we've talked about since since you actually started, that uh, un- under 
in previous years, there, there was a real intensity on, on attendance. Let's let's get a million people onto the grounds. And you never necessarily saw that as, as the measure of success or even something that was necessarily advisable. I never really bought into that benchmark. I was a little taken aback by it, to tell you the truth, because... When you get too many people here, you can't service them, and, and it becomes a bad experience. It's hard to get to a restroom. It's hard to get to a stage. It's hard to get to a bar. Um, so I never really bought into, hey, what was your attendance today? There is a certain amount that you need. There's a certain critical mass that you do need to um, attract and service over 11 days so that you can pay your bills. But, you know, there's a tipping point at, right. at, at, at some point, and, and I personally believe the tipping point is after, after 850. Anything north of 850, you know, it, it, gets, it gets challenging to, to service everyone and make sure that they have a good time and make sure that they can get out of a parking lot. You know, with the development that has taken place downtown, we're kind of at the end of the road right. here, and it doesn't make it any easier getting in and out of this place. So I would advise people that are coming down to visit Summerfest, plan early, come early, and maybe leave a little early, and your experience would be a good one. One thing before I let you go. Um, Fourth of July this year, the amphitheater is dark. Um, some people are saying, well, well, why couldn't they find somebody to fill in for Megadeth when the Megadeth canceled a couple weeks ago? Well, the only band we were going to find, Jeff, it would have been your band <laughs> with, with, with three or four of your buddies. Right, and nobody would have paid tickets to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, you know, with all due respect, I'm sure that wouldn't have been a real big seller. Right. Um, no, I mean, it was really unfortunate. When we booked Ozzy, we sold a lot of tickets for that show, and we, we were doing quite well. We were in the black, and then and he canceled his his uh, entire tour because of an injury. Then we put together the uh, Megadeth and Papa Roach uh, package, and then, um, really unfortunately, the singer, uh, the lead singer from Megadeth, uh, was diagnosed with an illness that they had to uh, cancel their entire tour. So that left us with about two weeks, right. and we just made a decision. Hey. First of all, there's really no one to uh, sign in two weeks. And if there were someone to sign in two weeks, you don't have enough time to sell and market that show. So unfortunately, on July 4th, the amphitheater will be dark. However, there's plenty of good bands on the grounds that day and uh, with a lot of July 4th celebration to go along with it. And fireworks and all that kind of stuff. Fireworks um, are on July 3rd. Right. Um, that American Family Insurance and the right. brewers are doing and so on. And um, there's other fireworks throughout the community. Right. But right. And, and fi- this is a great spot to watch the lakefront fireworks. Oh, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Don Smiley, well, I wish we, we, were, we were at a wedding together last Saturday, and it was an outdoor wedding. It was extremely large, and, and we were talking about how you know what, what would have happened if it rained. And I've been telling everybody's story about how they, they buried this bottle. And I, I don't. We, we didn't have time to do it this year, maybe next year, but... I'm looking at the long-range forecast, and, and I think it's going to be pretty nice weather. I mean, might have a little intermittent rain here and there, but I don't think you're looking at washouts. I think you're looking at great weather, and you certainly deserve it, and this lineup looks tremendous to me as well. We'll see what happens. Again, you know, that there, there's, abs- there, there's you, you, you know going into it you can't control the weather. If it rains, it rains. It, I do, it does look like it's not going to um, be 95 degrees, right. which would really be a big help. Um, so but that's the worst. I mean, right? It, it's it's the intense heat is the worst. No, right? no, nobody moves around and nobody nobody does anything when it's when it's that hot. However, 
Um, when it's 68 degrees and, and a little rain and, and it moves through, I mean, those are some of our best nights. Right, right. Well, and there's, there's lots of places to go to take cover, and it's, if it's going to rain for 15 minutes, you go underneath some place and you have a beer, and then you, you come out when it's all over. You know, it's incredible. I'm really smack dab in the middle of the music business, but this time of year, everyone <laughs> wants to think I'm a meteorologist, <laughs> yeah. and they want to talk about the weather. Yeah. So talk to all your folks and, and have them do a little dance for us and, and keep the rain clouds away. And next year, we'll, we'll bury the bottle. Yeah, we're going to bury the bottle next year. That's 30 a month days ahead of him, yeah, right? 30 days absolutely. before. Don Smiley, have a great Summerfest 2019. You, Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is Judah and the Lion performing this evening at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse. Be sure to check that out. All right. I hate to say I told you so. No, I don't, because I told you so. Here is the story. Journal Sentinel just breaking it. The Tom's Trolley Folly, the the hop, the streetcar that goes nowhere, but it it doesn't get you there very quickly. Love this story in the newspaper last week where they have five different reporters, and they start up at the one end of the streetcar, and they say, okay, we're going to have somebody, the idea is we're going to get downtown to the public market, and we're going to have somebody walk, and we're going to have somebody take an Uber, and we're going to somebody take a bus, and we're going to somebody ride one of those boobler bikes, and we're going to somebody take the streetcar, and we're going to see who gets there first. Well, okay, riding the streetcar gets you there slowest. All right, slowest. But here is the deal. I have been arguing for the longest time that you're really not too many people are going to end up riding this juppy people mover. And I have been saying that before we start taking tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars and expanding this throughout the city, this rush that, oh, we've got the Democratic National Convention coming in the summer of 2020, so we have to have this thing built up. Well, my point has been, well, you don't do that. Just like Don Smiley was talking about, you have infrastructure plans for decades. You, You don't run in and do something until you know it's going to work. And one of the things that I have been arguing is we don't know what the ridership of the trolley is going to be, especially since so far it's been free. You don't have to pay. The Potawatomi, God bless them, they cut this deal where they underwrote the cost for the first year. So it was going to be free. And my big question has been once people have to start paying for it, are they in fact going to do it? All right, I also told you that based on some of the things I was being told, that even though they weren't going to be up front with this about the public, one of the, one of the ideas was we're never going to charge anybody anything for it because we know if we start charging even a nominal amount, even a dollar, we know that it's going to, the ridership's going to drop off. All right, but, but when this whole streetcar thing was planned, ridership and people paying was always one of the elements that was designed to go into the whole idea of, of the operating costs. It cost millions of dollars a year to operate this thing, and part of that, not all of it, part of it was going to be upset for operating costs. Well, again, my people, my sources, my people, my sources were telling me that, you know, as they were looking at this, there was a genuine fear that if we started charging, the attendance, the ridership numbers would just drop off the table and it would hurt efforts to expand. Here is the story in the Journal Sentinel. Riders will not need to pay for the Hop Street car come November. Apparently, nobody associated with the Hop has even ordered the fare collection equipment. 
And so the rides are going to remain free. If they wanted to start charging in 2020, in 2019, November, when the Pottawatomie year deal expires, they couldn't because they haven't ordered any of the fare collection boxes or anything like that. The story in the Journal Sentinel says the DPW is aiming to keep fares free in 2020. So in other words, while they're talking about expanding this thing, you know, and let's spend tens of millions of dollars, they're saying, well, we're not going to know whether people are actually going to ride it to pay for it because our plan is we want it to continue to be free. So we haven't ordered any of this stuff. Now, a number of the aldermen who signed off on this, they're even saying things about, well, what a, wait a minute, you know, you... Tom Barrett, you've been telling the people that, you know, we're going to start charging in November. And and now, well, now that's that's not happening. Now it looks like, again, for at least the foreseeable future, these rides will be free. And, you know, we're going to have to figure out where the operating costs are going to come from otherwise. I think it's more than just let's not order the equipment. Again, I think the reality is that if you start charging Whatever the numbers of riding the hop are now, those numbers are going to fall dramatically. So that's what I think is going on. The people that are trying to rush this through, they don't want to see that happen. And so let's just continue to, all right, so we were counting on half a million dollars or whatever in ride, in, in people paying. Let's, let's not charge because we don't want this to drop off. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, on the one hand, I guess it's good that the ride, that stuff remains free. I like free stuff as well as the next person. But can you ever get an accurate idea of how successful the trolley is unless you find out, you know, whether or not people are willing to pay for it? Or should we just finally come out and say what I think has really been the plan all along? We know that if people have to pay for it, they're not going to do it. So we're just going to make it free. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Bill in Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. i got to ask sure. you, why has this been kind of like your personal crusade to make sure it doesn't work? From day one, you've been... Well, because I don't think it works. Because okay. I don't think it works. I don't think it works, and I think it's going to be a huge waste of money, hundreds of millions of dollars, down the tubes. That's what I think. But let's see if we can clear that up. Now, the first year, correct me if I'm wrong, was free, right? First year was free. Well, Pottawatomie picked up the tab, yes. Right. Okay, so we've covered the first year. The second year, you're talking about the future, and I understand your concern. You're worried that this is going to get dumped in the taxpayer's lap. Do you know for a God-given fact that nobody else is going to pick it up after Pottawatomie. Well, well no, here's my, now, Bill, thanks, thanks for no, but here's my concern. It's, it's not the free. The idea is Barrett and some of the people pushing this want to take this 2.1-mile trolley line, and they want to spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars expanding this thing all over the city. My point is, maybe this is going to turn out to be the greatest thing since canned beer, and maybe you want to do it, but you know, you don't spend hundreds of millions of dollars on something unless you have an indication of whether it's going to work or not. And unless we're going to say we're just going to make this thing free, period, like some communities do, 
right now, until you start charging, you cannot get an accurate idea of how many people are really going to use this. But I think what's going on is we don't want to charge because we know that the number of riders will drop off dramatically, and then people will be saying, hey, is it really worth you know, $10 million, $50 million, $100 million to try to expand this if nobody's going to ride it unless it ends up being free? 414-799-1620. I don't care whether they make it free or not. But all right, if, if that's the deal, let's understand that going in, that we're talking about spending tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to expand this, and it's never going to generate revenue, at least to partially offset the costs. If we want to make it free, that's fine. But I think this is nothing but a glorified shell game that's going on now. The kind of the bait and switch, trust us, people are going to ride it. Well, okay, people are going to pay for this. Let's build it, and, and then we guarantee you people are going to pay for it. But, oh, by the way, let's delay the stuff that we have now. Let's not make people pay for it, because in case we're wrong, we don't want to have it shown up. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Sean in Genesee Depot. Sean, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Great topic for the flop here. Hi, um, my thought, if I was the Potawatomi, I would be furious that I just got fleeced out of how much ever money they ended up kicking in for this thing because the city's not just going to go, oh, well, you can do this for free anyway. So the city built them uh, out of millions of dollars to get people suckered into trying to ride this thing, which nobody's riding it anyway. Every time I see this thing downtown, it's half empty or empty anyway. So, Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, I mean, look, the Potawatomi, I mean, thanks to the call. I mean, the Potawatomi is getting a 10. They did it as a marketing thing, and I, I think that's fine. But, I mean, this was one of the big factors going in, and everybody knew it. As long as you had somebody else picking up the tab, you'd never be able to get a true measure of how successful this was. Matter of fact, the, the Journal Sentinel story that I'm, I'm looking at, I mean, they, they even... They even acknowledge that. I mean, they acknowledge that if you start charging, what you're going to do is you're going to see that ridership is going to drop off on this um, based on... Dave Windsor, DPW Streetcar System Manager, um, says that based on ridership in other cities, you know, everybody knew there'd be a significant drop if they started charging fares. Wait a minute. I don't remember in the public conversation people saying, oh, by the way, once we start charging fares, th- these estimates as to ridership that we gave you, they're going to drop off dramatically. I may- maybe I missed that somewhere along the line, but I don't think that was shared, period. I guess the bottom line of all this is I think this has been this huge white elephant that, that's going on. By the way, you know, you drive around down here. I drove down to Summerfest. I said at the start of the show. I mean, these streetcar tracks. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's a traffic hazard. It just is a flat-out traffic hazard where you've got lanes that used to be there that are now gone. You've got the streetcar thing running down there. A lot of you probably haven't seen this, and you're going to see it when you're driving down to the parking lots at, at Summerfest. And I understand that this is supposed to be the, the, the wave of the future. And, and maybe you want to say, look, we don't care if it's a money loser. We don't care if nobody's going to ride it or very few people are going to ride it. We love it. This is the trolley. This is what modern cities have. And this is what we need to do to be a hip and cool city. Okay, if you want to make that argument, that that's fine. But then let's understand that you know we're we are going to be subsidizing this big time for quite a while. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's take a break.
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest. This is Judah and the Lion at the Harley-Davidson Roadhouse. If you're just tuning in, Journal Sentinel, breaking story. Apparently, Tom Barrett, the Barrett administration, the streetcar. They, the representation was uh, that Potawatomi were going to pick up the operating costs. Rides were going to be free. So, you know, they would subsidize the operating costs until November. Well, now it turns out that the mayor's administration, they haven't ordered any of the fare boxes. They have no intention of starting to charge for rides. matter of fact, they couldn't now because they haven't gone ahead and bought the fare boxes or anything like that. Even if they wanted to do it in November, they couldn't. And it now turns out that they're saying, well, you know, maybe it'll be free for at least 2020 and maybe more. By free, I mean you won't have to pay to ride for it. My point is... I'm not surprised at this, but you don't decide to spend another $100 million expanding this unless you know whether people are going to be willing to ride it, and you're never going to know that until you start charging for this. And to make a massive expansion now, I, I think, well, if you think this is going to end up as a white elephant, uh, just you, you just wait. Scott in, on the south side. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. June 26th. Sure. 19, uh, 2019 was the day that the streetcar died. Uh, a $4.3 million operating budget is estimated by DPW. Now you're talking annual. You're talking a, you're talking a $10 million commitment from Potawatomi over 10, over what, 20 years? That's 800,000 uh-huh. a year. That's, that you're still, you've got a $3.5 million shortfall. Yep. That is happening today, not Yep. 2020, but it's happening today. That and that's you don't see anybody. You don't see AFM Insurance. You don't see Northwestern Mutual. These these people are smart with money, stepping up and saying, you know, we'll, we'll take care of that. Right. We'll take care of that. No, right. this this is this June 26th was the day that, that the Milwaukee <laughs> streetcar died, and put you know write well, write it down in stone because that's yeah. that's what that's what happened to this past week. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for the call, Scott. Again, my my point has been all along. I, I I'm willing to concede that maybe I maybe I've been wrong all along. Maybe this will turn out to be like I say. This is going to be the great thing, and this is what's going to drive all sorts of young people to move into the city. All I'm telling you though is, you don't spend another fifty million or a hundred million dollars expanding this thing until you have an indication as to whether it's going to work. And until you start charging, unless you're going to just make a commitment that we're never going to charge, in that case, figure out where the money to, to pay the operating costs is going to come from, you've got to stop charging. And now it turns out, I don't think they ever intended to do it. They didn't buy the fare boxes. They, they've decided, well, we're not going to spend the money to buy the fare boxes. Well, I wonder when that decision was made, because it tells me, maybe back at the very beginning, that they knew that if they started charging, it would adversely affect the ridership numbers, and they didn't want to do that until you've gotten commitments to, for another 50 or $100 million. And I want to know where the aldermen are on all this, because they're the ones that ultimately signed off on this, and they signed off on it based on a representation that starting in November, people would have to start paying to ride. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, well, we got a lot of stuff. The Democrat debates are tonight. I want to talk a little bit about what you should expect to hear on health care. And then we're going to talk about, 
well, a controversy at Netflix. Stick around. It's all coming up. We are broadcasting live from Summerfest. It is a glorious day. If you get a chance, come on down here. These are the days that we wait for all year in Wisconsin. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on the Summerfest grounds, here's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. 76 degrees outside, absolutely perfect. Hey, if you come down here, we got some big doings going outside, right outside our mobile broadcast facility. We, we, we've got all you have to do is throw five bean bags into one of those slots and you're going to be registered to win the super prize we had a big line i was out there during the break talking to people people lining up to throw it and, and you get prizes you get a prize if you can get three out of five in so far nobody's put all five in and then like i say if you put all five in you're registered for one of our big prize packs um but very very cool so we've got activities down here we've got our street team we've got lots of activities so stop on down and say hi if you want to see what it's like before Summerfest opens to get in, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Um, there's, there, there's if if you are media or you're an employee or whatever, everybody goes through the same gate. And this is before Summerfest opens. So I was I was standing in this line, and it's a security line. It moves pretty quickly, but it was it was sort of interesting. Um, got to meet a lot of people, including some of the folks that are cooking and selling the sausages and stuff like that. You can see the picture that, that's out there. So um, that's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. If you follow me on Twitter, all right. Uh, tonight and tomorrow night, there are the various Democrat debates, and they're going to be talking about a number of different issues. Candidly, well, tonight I'm going to the baseball game, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, but I will be watching sort of some of the highlights. But here's one of the issues that I guarantee is going to, to come up, and it has to do <clears throat> with the whole idea of health care. You have a couple of the candidates, including some of the, the prominent candidates who are running as far left as they can get, who want to essentially blow up our health care system. Most people, the vast majority of people, get their health insurance through private employers. All right. Then there's a group of people who get their insurance through Medicare. But but most people who get Medicare, it's not just Medicare. They have Medicare supplement policies and things like that because there's still an element of private insurance because Medicare doesn't cover everything. Right? There's all sorts of things that Medicare doesn't cover or doesn't cover in whole. So people have the supplementary policies. So even if you have Medicare, you've got you know a component for most people of private insurance. But that's a smaller number of the people who get their insurance through their employers. All right. So that's the, the and then you have a a much much smaller group of people who get their insurance through what we'll call Obamacare or the Affordable Act Care Act exchange, a very, very small number of people compared to all the other folks that are out there. Nevertheless, there's a couple candidates that want to blow up the entire private insurance system. They want to say, okay, we're all the people that work in health insurance now, you're, you're going to be out of a job. Um, we're we're going to do away with this, and we are going to have the government provide the health care for you. Everybody's going to be on Medicare. And by the way, if you're going to have Medicare for all, that means that all the Medicare supplemental insurance policies that people take out, those won't be around anymore. So you're going to have Medicare for all. The problem, again, with this is that the cost 
is going to be astronomical. It's going to be trillions of dollars. But the idea behind this is, well, it's a way of getting everybody covered. Well, most people are covered now. And that's one school of thought. It's the Medicare for all. Let's have the government run insurance. There is another school of thought that some of the more moderate Democrats adopt, and that is that they say we shouldn't be talking about Medicare for all. That's not where most people are really worked up. What most people are concerned about is the cost of their health care. They're concerned with their insurance deductibles. They're concerned with their prescription drug costs. It's issues like, like that. So a number of people are saying, you know, for most people, Medicare for all, especially if it's going to cost everybody a lot more money, that's not the winner. What you need to be talking about as an issue is how do we make health care more affordable? How do we deal with the prescription drug costs? How do we deal with, you know, the, these huge deductibles that sometimes people have to meet? It, it's not as much access to insurance as it is the cost of the insurance. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want you to think about your own individual situation and, and your, your health care. <clears throat> My belief is, for most people, it's not a concern about, gee, I don't have insurance. It's more of a concern about what I have. It, it's too expensive. I, I don't like having to, you know, I've got this huge deductible. It's got to be three, four, five, six thousand dollars before the insurance kicks in. Or I've got these, you know, prescription drugs that are just huge costs. My belief is what we should be talking about, if we're serious about trying to make improvements in health care reform, isn't having the government take over health care. Instead, it's how can we make health care, not necessarily more accessible, but more affordable. How can we reduce your costs? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk a little bit about concerns and think about yourself. You know, is it is it that gee, I don't have access to health care or is it that I, I'm paying too much for my health care? That's what I want to figure out how to do. And that's where I think we should be having the discussion. How do we lower the costs for people? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Crew is back at the studio lining up the calls. We discuss in a moment. This is one of the things I'm going to be listening for tonight at the debate. Some people are going to be talking about having the government take over health insurance. I believe uh, health care. I think that's a disaster. I think we should be talking about how do we make it more inexpensive for people. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest. This is Jeff Wagner, and that's Walk the Moon. They're going to be performing this evening at the U-Line Warehouse. Um, it, it's been rebuilt. It's new, and they're going to be um, 
They're going to be the introductory act, so be sure to check that out. By the way, did I mention we're down at Summerfest? It is absolutely gorgeous and lots of people stopping by. Um, don't forget about the Summerfest Big Shot Contest presented by Gruber Law Offices every day, 345 at the Gruber Law Offices Sports Zone. The first 10 people to register will have a chance at a half-court shot. First pe- person to make it will receive a Summerfest prize pack, including two front-row wristbands for the Uline headliner that night, a $75 Summerfest gift card, and a Gruber swag bag. Let's talk to Scott in New Berlin. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon. Um, right now, I pay hey, almost $500 a month with my copay for work. So if we, and then you have prescriptions and also a $50 copay for office visits. If I could pay three or 400 bucks a month and a reasonable copay and have everybody else covered, I mean, insurance companies. They're nothing but banks. They make money by not giving us the And even the mm-hmm. right-wing Koch brothers said a national system without private insurance is more cost-effective than what we're doing. At some point, we're going to be 100% GDP will be covering health care in this country. And it's preventing us from competing on a global market. What we're doing with private health insurance makes zero sense. There's still room for a private insurance company market but like the supplementals if you want solo rooms or elective surgeries but what we're doing right now just is not sustainable well scott thanks for perspective look i I don't know about sustainable or not i and i understand that there's issues to deal with i think if you were to blow up the system Destroy the private insurance market, essentially. And, and by the way, you know, the people that are pushing for the Medicare for all, that, that's what they say. There wouldn't be Medicare supplements. There wouldn't be anything. You would be talking about, uh, again, trillion-plus dollars or more. So costs would go up. At the same time, I mean, I think you'd be looking at long waits for doctors. I think doctors wouldn't be participating in the system. I think you'd have a lot of people opting out, and I think you'd end up having a two-tiered system of health care, one, the people who were part of the public program, and then the people who were wealthy enough to be able to hire their own doctors. But again, I think at this point in time, and, and I don't know how things are going to be 15, 20, 30 years from now, at this point in time, I think for most people... The concern is cost. You have access to health care, but again, the fact that, okay, you, you've got a deductible that's $6,000 or whatever, so for practical matters, you, you've got coverage for something if you have that extraordinary and catastrophic thing, but for, you know, every day-to-day things, you know, it, it's not helping you out. That's where I think if people want to, like, turn their attention, I think that's what makes most, most people that's what most people would resonate with. Let's talk to Christine in Cedarburg. Christine, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. What do you think? Well, you know, I think um, I'm in the medical. I take care of people, elderly people, um, as far as hospice and, and healthcare. And a lot of our patients, when they get ready to pass, there's a lot of supplies left over that are still wrapped sanitarily in packages. And you can't even return them. You can't give them to the VA. You can't give them that Medicare. And, and these are, you know, let's say a catheter that maybe costs 50 cents to make in China, and they charge, Medicare charges $800 for a box. I mean, it, it's just, right. until we get the expense and the cost under, you know, uh, you know, under under our thumb, it, it's never going to get better. I mean, the, the prices of things, it's, it's, it's a joke. Right. And, and, and to your point, too, I mean, I think... 
one of the things that's frustrating is, and I've been frustrated with both parties on this, there, I think there needs to be a lot more transparency uh, around so we, we know how much things cost so Absolutely. we can make a, a comparison. You know, so you're, so you're, you're going in, let, let's say you're going to have a colonoscopy, all right? So the, the idea is, well, okay, maybe you want to figure out if you've got a couple different choices as to where you can go to have that colonoscopy, all right, how much is it going to cost at different places? But we, we don't even ask those kind of questions anymore. Now it's just, well, is it going to be covered by insurance? What's my copay, et cetera? And boom, and you're it. off to the races. We shop around for everything else. We shop around for cars, for groceries, for clothes, right. computers, for cell phones. So, so really, if if it was more transparent, you'd be able to make some. There'd be you know competition in a, in a healthy way where you're able to. And and if people who can't maybe afford the 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 highest of the high price, but then you're gonna you're gonna settle for something maybe a little lower, but you can still afford it. You can still do it, and you're still gonna take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's I, also. I think that's a, a much more doable thing rather than simply saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna completely blow up the system that we've had in this country for forever, and we're gonna become I don't know Great Britain or whatever." I think as a starting point, it would be much better to kind of focus on on the costs and those sort of issues and see if if maybe within that framework we could accomplish what we need to accomplish. Absolutely, and do we really trust these people? I mean, they can't, they can't settle anything or discuss anything right. or, or come to uh, an agreement on anything. So right. do you really want these people deciding our health care? Right, yes. Do you, you want the government making those decisions? Christine, th- thanks for the call. And I mean, I guess I just think there's all these different ramifications about what can end up happening. So I, I, when you, if, if you choose to watch these debates tonight or tomorrow, there's going to be some people who are they're going to be – it's kind of like that old Simpsons show where they're, they're monorail, monorail. Here, I, I've got the answer to everything. It's like I'm going to just wave my hand and, you know, we're going to – we're going to do away with all private health insurance, and we're going to nationalize this, and we're going to have Medicare for all, and it's going to be great, and it's not going to cost you anything. Well, the truth is it's probably going to cost you a lot more. Your access to doctors is going to be greatly restricted. Remember President Obama you know, in the Affordable Care Act, the, the big lie? If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your insurance plan, you can keep your insurance plan. No, that's not how it exactly worked out. Well, I think it would be even worse if you went to Medicare for all, which isn't saying that there's not problems in the healthcare system, when I hear people talking about, let's figure out how to increase transparency and reduce costs, those are the folks that I think are serious about trying to deal with the problem. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice this is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live Summerfest 2019. That, of course, Foreigner. They're performing at the BMO Harris Pavilion. We are at the lakefront. I am looking out at the Lake Michigan. I'm looking out at the, the, the Summerfest pond there, and I'm looking out at the BMO Harris um, Pavilion. It's just, it is a gorgeous day. And as I've been saying all day, this really is a Chamber of Commerce moment. And for, for those of us who live in Wisconsin year-round, the, these are the type of days we wait for. So if you do not have any plans later this afternoon or this evening, my advice would be, hey, come on down to the lakefront and enjoy the opening day of Summerfest 20. 
2019. Lots of great stuff going on. All right, this, I, now I am not encouraging any local car dealers to do this, but this is one of my favorite Fourth of July promotions. God's guns and God guns and freedom. Here is the deal: a rural Alabama, of course, Ford dealership has decided to do a Fourth of July promotion. So here is the deal: if you buy a car. Between now and July 31st, you get the car, you get a Bible, you get an American flag, and you get a 12-gauge shotgun. God, guns, and freedom. So, I mean, this is what they are offering at the particular dealership, Chatham Ford, in Chatham, Alabama. Now, you might say... What do you mean? You, you walk in, you take a test drive, you buy it, and they give you a 12-gauge? No, it, it doesn't quite work that way. What happens is if you buy the car, you get the Bible, you get the flag, and you get a certificate that can be taken to a firearms dealer in town or to one over in Mississippi that they partnered with, and then they go through the background check and stuff, and you have to be 18 and all that and not a felon. But assuming you're legally allowed to own a gun, then you get the shotgun. Now, I... Again, I'm not sure how this would go over in, you know, southeastern Wisconsin. But, you know, in rural Alabama, God, guns, and freedom, I'm betting you they're going to be selling cars like hotcakes. That's just my sense. Okay. Um, I am admittedly a TV junkie. Um, and I, I just, I've been that way ever since I was a kid. And I, I, one of the things going on now is there's so much stuff on television I just, you, you cannot watch it all. Between binge-watching, you know, old TV shows maybe that you saw before that you want to watch again, to all the new stuff that's being out there and produced on the networks, to all the stuff that, you know, shows up on the pay channels like HBO and Showtime and Cinemax and all that stuff, to all the alternative types of things like the Netflix and the, you know, Google Plays and all, all that type of stuff. You know, there, there's just, my biggest thing is there's so much stuff out there that's I, I just don't have time I don't have time to watch it. I could not watch all the stuff that's out there. So what ends up happening a lot of times is somebody will recommend a show, and I'll—it's on Netflix. You got to watch the show, and I'll watch the first couple of shows, and and I either get into it or I don't. And there's there's a lot of times that maybe because I'm a completist, completist, I'll I'll stick through like one season, but then okay, so there's three seasons of this show. Nah, I I didn't like it well enough to do that. But but everybody goes to these different streaming services for different reasons. Now, interestingly enough, Netflix, probably the best known and and maybe arguably the most popular of the streaming services, Netflix, what do they show on Netflix? Well, they've got a whole array, wide array of movies. You know, wide array, particularly lots of older movies on Netflix. Netflix has their own new movies that they come out with. Netflix has their own new documentaries that they come out with. I just watched uh, Martin Scorsese did this documentary on uh, on a Bob Dylan tour called the Rolling Thunder Review in the 70s. I, I watched that. Didn't think it was that good. But I, I, but I ended up watching it because I wanted to see it. So you've got that. And then what is the other thing that Netflix offers? The thing that actually is one of the very most popular things, and that is that Netflix offers old television shows. For example, Friends, and I always have to make this point when I talk about the TV show Friends, my beautiful wife and a number of her friends, male and female, they're all Friends junkies. 
They watch these things, and it seems to me every time I turn on the darn television, you know, there's episodes of Friends that are on, and they've seen these things eight or ten times, and, and they still they, they watch them. I mean, it's like the first time. I think Friends is okay, but I, I don't get it. But Friends is one of the key things on, on Netflix, to the point that Netflix just paid really, really stupid money in order to keep Friends for another year. Well, the <clears throat> news today is that... Um, the Office, which is, you know, one of the other big attractions on, on Netflix, you know, the old NBC show, The Office. Um, starting in 2021, Netflix is going to lose The Office, which is apparently its number one show. And what's going to happen is The Office, which was an NBC product, is going to move over to this new streaming service that's being launched by, you know, um, Comcast and NBC Universal. So the, the deal is that, um, you know, Netflix paid $100 million to show The Office. $100 million to show The Office. And apparently this new deal for this TV show is going to be like $500 million. So NBC is going to start this with their new streaming service. And the idea is, I think, as more and more of these companies get into the business, more and more of them are going to start taking back their their product, which means there's going to be less and less of the old TV shows that are available for places like Netflix, for example, to show. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I want to talk to you if you have and most of us do, a streaming service like like a Netcat, like a Netflix. What is it that you use it for? Is it to watch the old TV shows? Hey, they've they've got, you know, they've got The Office, they've got Friends, they've got, you know, what whatever, all in the family. They've got all these episodes that's out there. Are you using it for that? And if if Netflix, for example, loses those TV shows, are you going to sign up for a new streaming service that carries those TV shows? Or at some point in time, is the interest in these old TV shows going to kind of, I don't know, go by the wayside? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How big a blow will it be to a service like Netflix to lose friends, because they're going to lose friends in the near future, and to lose The Office? Is this going to kill that model? Or will people adapt? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. That, of course, is Foreigner. Foreigner is performing tonight at the BMO Harris Pavilion. Performing where, you might say? Well, this is the opening day of Summerfest 2019. It is a gorgeous day out here. The sun is shining. People are enjoying it. There is a nice breeze off the lake, but just a nice breeze. It's very, very pleasant outside. If you're stopping by, please be sure to come by and say hi. The whole Wisconsin Afternoon News, news Gang is here. They're going to be taking over in just a couple minutes. We've got a number of our, uh, some of our 
our teammates that are just over to the south of where we're located, and they're running this bag toss thing. It's just it's just a lot of fun. We are right behind the Harley-Davidson stage. We're looking out at the lake, and we're right next to the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. So if you're down at Summerfest, um, stop by and say hi. And we're going to be here broadcasting for a large portion of the run of the festival. We just enjoy it quite a bit. Here's the bottom line. Our number, 414-799-1620. number of people are texting me saying, we love Friends, too. I understand Friends is extremely, extremely you know, popular. But here's, here's the deal. I think you need to recognize that when it comes to TV content and choices, right now we are kind of in the golden age. Because here's, here's what's happening. You look at, a, at a, something like, for example, Netflix. And Netflix makes a big deal of, of a lot of their, their, their new shows. We've got Stranger Things. We've got The Crown, all that. But here's the reality. About 72% of the time, the minutes spent watching Netflix, about 72%, according to Nielsen, is is what they would call non-original library programming. In other words, this would be this would be the TV shows. Here, I, I'm going to watch The Sopranos, or I'm going to watch Mad Men, or I'm going to watch Friends, or I'm going to watch The Office, or, or whatever. So that's still where the lion's share of this is. Well, right now, you can subscribe to Netflix for whatever it is a month, and you can have access to all of that. But because... What's happening is people are recognizing that there's still a huge interest in these old TV shows. What you're starting to see is a fragmentation. So NBC Universal, Comcast, they're getting ready to start their own streaming service, their own Netflix. And so what they're doing is they're taking back some of their programming. So you've got you know they all it, so the office in 2021 is going to leave Netflix. You still want to see the office, well you're going to have to subscribe to this new streaming service. Okay, on top of that, you've got again Friends, something incredibly popular. What they're looking at is they think that um Friends, which is, you know, that was produced by, you know, Warner, Warner Media, at the end of the year when their deal with uh, Netflix expires, they think that, you know, Friends, that show, is going to go over to the new Warner Media streaming platform. So right now, you've got a wide, you can go to Netflix and you can have this whole wide range of choices that you can get. Pretty soon, it's really going to be a la carte. So if you want to watch The Office, you're going to have to have the NBC Universal thing. If you want to watch Friends, you're going to have to have the Warner Media streaming platform. Who knows how many other streaming platforms they're going to be. So I, I guess I think... First of all, you're going to see a huge shakeout in this industry, and I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later because I just don't believe the average person, like I say, I'm a guy that loves TV. I don't think the average person is going to say, I want to pay for five or six or seven streaming services in addition to you know whatever else I have going on. I just, I just don't think that that's going to be the case. So I think people are going to end up, you know, picking and choosing. And I think that you are going to see right now Netflix is the thing to have. Once Netflix starts losing a lot of the non-original content, the TV shows it offers now, I think it's going to end up losing subscribers. And that then is always going to be the challenge. How do you end up replacing them? In any event, Right now, I think people are going to look back over the last few years and say, really, it was kind of the golden age of access to TV, old TV shows, new TV shows. As this gets more splintered, 
what I think you're going to see is some of these streaming services are going to go under, and a lot of streaming services, well, they're going to be disappointing because you're going to be tuning into Netflix saying, hey, I'm used to watching The Office here, I'm used to watching Mad Men or whatever, and you're not going to have a chance to do it. Time will tell. But the big story in entertainment today is that Netflix is getting ready to lose its number one show in 2020. 2021, that is. So if you're on Netflix and you want to binge The Office again, well, okay, you've got about another year and a half to do it. All right, we're going to take a break. You do not have to wait a year and a half to hear Wisconsin's afternoon news. The whole gang is here at Summerfest. We'll be back to find out what everyone has on their minds in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.